This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name's Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them. This podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 39, When a DAF Makes Sense. In the last two episodes, we talked about exactly what donor-advised funds are and the extremely large role they play in modern American philanthropy. Now, it's time to get into the weeds a bit. Sometimes, a DAF makes a lot of sense as a giving vehicle. In other situations, though, they get used in ways that don't make a lot of sense. And on top of that, sometimes donors try to use them in ways that simply don't work. Today, we start with the rosy picture. We'll talk about situations where giving through a DAF makes sense. Next week, not so much. But anyway, when does a DAF make sense? There are really two primary situations like this. The first is what I call a unique income event. The second is when a donor wants to bunch gifts for tax planning purposes. Let's start with the unique income event. And by the way, that's not a technical term, that's just what I call it. But what I mean by this is that rare year in which a donor receives a uniquely large income. The most common example is when a donor sells a business. If you recall from previous episodes, selling a privately held business usually results in some really hefty capital gains. This means that in the year of the sale, the owner is going to see a uniquely large income. But that's not the only scenario where this income issue happens. Another example might be if a donor wins the lottery, or if a donor has to take a large distribution from an inherited IRA, things like that. For whatever reason, a donor experiences a unique event that will significantly increase the donor's tax liability in that year. In this type of scenario, a philanthropically inclined person might want to make some charitable gifts out of that one-time income, but he might not want to give it all away in a single year, or he might want some time to think about where and how he wants to make a gift. In this type of situation, a DAF can make a lot of sense. A DAF allows the donor to reduce his tax liability in the year of the income, but it also gives him time to think about or spread out his charitable giving. Consider this quick summary. A donor is going to sell his business for $10 million, almost all of which is capital gains. He wants to give a significant portion of the proceeds to charity, but he's so busy trying to keep the business running, as well as negotiating and managing the sale, that he doesn't really have the bandwidth to make any careful, intentional, charitable giving plans right now. So he transfers 10% of the business to a DAF prior to the sale, by the way, see episodes 21 through 23 for details on this, but then when the sale goes through, he has significantly reduced his tax liability and he now has a big bucket of charitable money available. Note that he got the big tax deduction in the same year as the unusually big income event. That's the big benefit here. He can now take whatever time he needs to think about his giving. He won't get any future deductions for distributions from his DAF, but he got a really big benefit at the time when it did the most good. The second scenario where a DAF can make a lot of sense is when a donor wants to bunch her charitable gifts in order to exceed the standard deduction in certain tax years. If you recall, the standard deduction for a married couple in 2022 is $25,900. That means that a married donor's charitable gifts, when combined with any other allowable itemized deductions, would need to exceed that amount in order to get any tax benefit. By the way, if you need a bit of a refresher on punching, go back and check out episode 8. But anyway, imagine a married donor who has $5,000 in mortgage interest and $5,000 in state and local taxes. And then the donor and her husband give away $10,000 to charity every year. 
that's a total of $20,000 in itemized deductions every year, and they don't really get any extra tax benefit from their charitable giving. Now, imagine the same couple choosing to bunch their charitable giving. Every three years, the couple gives $30,000 to charity and then makes no charitable gifts in the years in between. Well, the donor then gets to itemize their deductions and pay less in taxes once every three years. In the off years, they still get the standard deduction, so no harm there. This is where a DAF can work really well. The donors can make that large, once every few, few years gift to a DAF. Then they can advise the DAF to make distributions to operating charities over the course of those next several years. The charities see absolutely no change to their donations, but the donors have gotten that little bit of extra tax benefit. So, unique income events and bunching. Those are the two major scenarios where I think DAFs can play a really positive role for donors. Definitely something for donors to keep in mind. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter, where I am at RossPlan. Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 39. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll flip this around and talk about some situations where DAFs get used, but maybe shouldn't. Until then, remember, do well, then do good but always be savvy.